What's going on, loungers? This is episode 28 of the Retick Lounge. We are so happy that you guys are joining us again on another episode. We got a good one for you guys today. We're going to be talking about how to make your reticulated python stand out from the rest and really how to selectively breed to produce amazing looking animals. Um, as we've talked about in previous episodes, um, it's not just enough anymore to put two retics together and expect to be able to just move those animals. Um, so we are going to be giving you some tips and some inside information that me and Nathan focus on ourselves to try to produce animals that will stand out from the rest. Again, as always, we want to thank you so much for being a subscriber on our YouTube. Like, comment uh, down below. Let us know what you guys think as you guys are watching the episode. And as always, you can catch us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And just like you see in that link right there down below, join our Patreon. We officially have 50 Patreon members for the first time since we started. So that is something that we are celebrating and really happy about. And, you know, we couldn't do it without your guys' support. So we appreciate all of our Patreon members uh, for that. Uh, Nathan, what else you got? Yeah, we want to remind you to support US Arc at all times. Make sure that you're a member if you're in this community, if you own a reptile at all. Um, and then spread the word as well. Try to get donations wherever possible. Yeah, absolutely. So um, first thing I want to start off this episode with is I want to go on Lucas's rant. Um, I'm, I'm starting off hot for this episode and we'll just let this one burn and then die out. Right out we'll... the gate. This wasn't planned. I'm even <laughs> shocked, ladies and gentlemen. Lucas, the stage is yours. Um, yeah, so I think a lot of people get caught up when they get retics. They're like, oh, I just bought a male, didn't plan to breed, and then they bought a female as like a pet, and then all of a sudden they're like, oh, I'm going to put these two animals together and produce retics, and then um, without really having a game plan. And um, to me, there's nothing more frustrating um, because... I thought that's just how it works. One snake plus one snake equals 30, 30 snakes. snakes. <laughs> Did you say 30 snakes? Yes. Yeah, that jinx. All right, cool. Locked um in. But I wanted to, uh, the reason why this is a rant is because there's too many retics, period. Reticulated pythons are not easy snakes to keep. They can get big, even the superdoor stuff. There's too many retics out there. So the idea of just putting two snakes together because you want to breed retics, I don't think should be acceptable anymore. So if you guys are listening, wanting to be aspiring breeders, and that's kind of your game plan please stay tuned into this episode so that you guys can get a little bit more information on how to set yourself up for success. Um, Nathan, let's first talk about pairing with a purpose in mind. What do you have about that? Wait, that was the rant? Yeah, that was my rant. Like I just, it's, oh. it's yeah. I mean, maybe underwhelming compared to under rants, but it's just a frustrating point for me <laughs> when, when, when well, I'm, wait, are... I'll, I'm waiting for rant 2.0 this episode. Let's okay. just say that. It'll, it'll come. Yeah, it'll come. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, pairing with a purpose in mind. Uh, when when you're talking about uh, producing more retics within this market, you want to make sure that something about them is going to be desirable to the market. Um, with me, um, I know we're going to talk a lot against this this episode, and I will even talk against this a little bit this episode, but uh, I am not breeding for uh phenotype right now i'm not breeding for any polygenic traits i'm breeding purely for size and yeah. morph yeah that's, which, which is that's, a good thing yeah that's the current project i have in mind but it's all desirable stuff and i'm advancing 
percentages as far as super dwarf i'm keeping everything as small as possible using really good bloodlines and that's kind of the plan for now now do i plan to use polygenic traits in in the future and kind of diversify what i'm doing absolutely it's just yeah you got to take this thing slow yeah but i mean i think in that point of what you're saying like pairing with a purpose in mind pairing your reticulated pythons your objective is smaller retics which is a great purpose and a great direction to go in so even if you're not trying to specifically enhance a specific look but you have a morph that's very popular and you're trying to shrink it down that's a purpose and that that's a very good purpose in the industry right now um I know Nathan made a comment about polygenic traits, and we're going to talk about well, that. Well, I, I want to stop you just a little bit and back you up on kind of the the whole super dwarf thing. I mean, even though I'm breeding for size, and we're, we're talking about kind of the overpopulation of uh, snakes being produced, especially reticulated pythons, even though I'm working with one of the smallest bloodlines of albino uh, in the super dwarf market. Uh, it's still hard to convince a normal everyday person who's not in this industry yet that a nine foot, 10 foot snake is not huge. Yeah. So, right. Yeah. And I mean, when you're using morphs and you're, you're crossing them, you know, to, to be able to successfully get adults to be in that eight, nine, 10 foot range, that's a really good, that's progress. Um, yeah, that's, that's really making advances um because you know any morph really that's involved outside of anery is coming from mainland stuff and yeah. so especially the albino stuff that's really big genetics um yeah it's but, dating all the way back to the original barb bob clark animal so right um but we're gonna talk about polygenic traits that nathan was talking about but i want to add a little bit about having a purpose in mind so um for me my purpose um is um number one localities Right. And so, um, you know, my purpose is to continue to sustain a good, healthy and diverse locality population for the localities that I'm working with. Um, and then on top of that, um, I have ideas um, to cross localities based off of certain colors and certain traits, which therefore takes us into what polygenic traits are. So. For those of you that haven't heard of that term, polygenic traits, um, it, it's basically a, a really fancy word that describes characteristics within an animal. So we're talking about color, pattern, um, even if we're talking about poly traits in humans, we're talking about height, right? So even in retics, a polygenic trait is length, right? So um, even with that in mind of you trying to shrink them down, that's you're breeding for a polygenic trait there. Um, but but a lot of times when we think about it when talking about retics is color, size, or, or color, pattern, and mutations or morphs. Um, and so, you know, there is a difference between a morph and a polygenic trait, but each morph has specific sets of polygenic traits. So um, let me give an example. Um, so... Kalatoas are known for having a broken up neck, neck kind of pixelated pattern look. They're a lot dirtier than some of the mainland looks. Like a lot of mainlands have the very thick, bold blacks, very clean patterns, that classic reticulated triangular look. Mm -hmm. Whereas Kalatoas um, have much 
thinner blacks and they have speckling along the necks that goes down and then also a very common trait or polygenic feature of Kalatoas is they have a nice solid dorsal stripe pattern that goes along the back um so those are poly- well i think the the portholes on the side or the blushing on the side you get a lot more on, of that on the the super yeah. stuff yeah, another example um, in my specific Kaiwati female is she has a very high number of rosette counts. Rosettes are the little like white circles mm-hmm. on the sides of their bodies. She has a very high number of rosettes, right? So that's a polygenic trait that we can try to breed for. Um, and we're going to be talking about polygenic traits for the rest of this episode because we're going to be talking about going into making morph combos. Um, and all these different things. But what's really important about understanding polygenic traits is that through trial and error or through observing, just as like sideline, you're not breeding yet, but you're looking at other people's pairings, is getting the idea of what traits are strong in certain morphs or certain localities and which traits are not that strong in certain morphs and localities. Um, there was the first pairing of Kalatoas to Turnates this year. And, you know, you look at a Turnate pattern, super chaotic, beautiful, a lot of color. Breeding it to a Kalatoa, no one knew which locality was going to win that war, right? We didn't know if it was going to look more brown and, and have more of a Kalatoa look, or we didn't know if the Turnate pattern was going to win over. Well, you know, a quick question for you. What's what's the biggest problem with the coloration of most of the super dwarf localities? They're brown, right? They, they just don't well, no, no, no. What are they lacking, though? Um, I mean, like, what are... And, I, and, they're lacking and color. Lacking they're, color, and they're lacking a lot of black, too. Yeah, exactly. Super thin blacks. Um, yeah, and so you take a turnate that has thicker blacks, that has more orange, reds, and yellows. And so combining those two was a good pairing that that breeder did. Um, but you didn't know which one was going to win. Fortunately, the turnate look stood out while the color was reduced a little bit, right? So that's a good example of how polygen- polygenic traits work together to create a new look. So there Speaking was of those i'm i'm just interested to see what body composition over time is going to look like on those guys right you have a very you know smaller lean bodied animal like a kalatoa versus a little heavier set body uh in the turnate so it'll be interesting mm-hmm. um but yeah so that's the cool thing about getting to be a breeder you get to plug play and create right um but i think to kind of carry us on to the next topic that i think we should talk about um morph combos right so there's morph combos that complement each other and more combos that don't do you want to talk on that real quick uh yeah i mean i think the biggest thing i learned in my first pairing is i used a uh, morph heavy male he was golden child sunfire tiger annery uh i'm sure i'm leaving something out <laughs> platinum that's what i'm leaving out um and so i got two animals that were stacked with all all his morphs on top of being uh 100% het snow and you know what you end up getting when you stack all of those genes on top of each other they're all fighting and they're all wiping out color or wiping out pattern uh it's you end up with a a tan snake with maybe right. a line down on its back or three lines down its back but that's that's what you get 
Right. They're cool animals and they're genetically cool. I can make a lot of different single gene morph combos that look great, but you know, I'm also going to produce a lot more of those brown snakes. Right. Um, but so let's talk about gene stacking real quick, because I think there's a place for gene stacking and then there's not a place for it. Right. So, um, gene stacking has its place in breeding because if you have a five, six gene animal and you have a male and you breed that to a normal female, you now have combinations of five to six different morphs. Mm -hmm. And, and that's a good thing when having diversity within a clutch. Um, you know, you, all you need is two animals to, to, you know, produce five different morphs and then those combinations of all those different morphs. So you can have, I don't know what the heck is five and five. I mean, you, you, there's so many different combos that you can make. Um, and so that's where the value is in that. Um, however, gene stacking, like Nathan was talking about, has a tendency to wash pattern out. Um, and what I mean by wash it out is like, for example, um, let's talk about like a marble phantom tiger platinum, right? So you have marble. Marble tends to pull pattern up to the top, break it out, get it really busy and pixelated. Um, and then you have platinum that tends to fade pattern out, and it's also a color enhancer, mm-hmm. right? Um, you have phantom that reduces pattern. So let's talk about Brings that real everything quick. up to the back. Yeah, right. Washes out the rosettes. Right. So let's talk about like phantom and marble. That's easy. It's two different, you know, two different morphs that I, I could talk about to kind of explain how they go well together, but also how they don't go well together. So a marble brings everything to the top, just like phantom does. Right. So what you end up having is a very dorsal, like centrally localized pattern. What, what I don't like personally about that combination is that phantom is a pattern reducer it removes a lot of pattern where marble, I think it enhances it. Marble breaks it apart, makes it very uh, complex and it adds pattern. And so when you're trying to breed for a marble and add a bunch of pattern, but then you're also taking phantom that reduces it, you're kind of canceling that effect out. Um, so you got a cat issue? You know it. <laughs> Go take care of the cats. Um, so, I've seen some marble phantoms that look amazing. Don't get me wrong. But just an example of how, you know, you have two different uh, morphs that kind of, they they do good things together. They pull pattern up towards the back, but they also kind of cancel each other out. Um, and so when it comes to gene stacking, you end up sometimes with a three or four codom animal that just doesn't look visually appealing. Like, yes, does it have value as a male breeder? Or as a female breeder, certainly. But I guess what my goal is as a breeder is I would rather make a single codom and it be the best example of that single codom in the world because I'm selectively breeding for specific traits than having a three to four gene animal that looks kind of washed out. You don't see a lot of enhanced features of each of those different morphs. Am I rambling here do you agree disagree no i totally agree i mean i i feel like my statement at the top of that i mean went right along with it um i i want to credit rodney before i even bring any of this up but um 
he he brought up in his polygenic trait video that a lot of super dwarf breeders and i think you you're kind of on this trend now um with some of the ocelot stuff you're working with and i know some other stuff that you're working with but uh is the indo caramel yeah uh, the clark strain albino while we have like really good established bloodlines of small stuff here that's awesome but we need to start working towards that indo caramel stuff because it's going to bring a lot more color into these purple albinos and you know hopefully over time they retain their color while still reaching that 75 percent kalatoa yeah yeah i agree i mean you have and you know you have a morph like uh indo caramel that the purples are deeper than a purple albino and it's more orange and and mm -hmm. just kind of like has a deeper look it's it's you know i I prefer them over purples, but purples are still beautiful. So it's really just a matter of preference. But the idea that no one is working hard into endocarmal superdwarfs blows my mind. Um, you know, it's it's kind of a, a crazy thing that we've had endocarmals in this country for over a decade. Um, you know, and, and we haven't hit that point that we're starting to do that. Um, and not to mention, when you combine endocarmel and purple, you get orange glows. That's really cool. Or whites, even. You know, endocarmel and white, you get orange glows. Um, so, um, I know we're starting to push that with the dwarf stuff. Maybe some lower percentage super dwarf orange gl glows have been produced. I'm not sure. Um, but, yeah, I mean, um, you know, a, an example of like, how I'm trying to make the best looking single gene animal. Um, I have an ocelot. I, I'm not really trying to push that ocelot into a bunch of different directions with a bunch of different codoms, right? Like ocelot is still fairly new. I think we've made tiger ocelots. Um, Phantom? Maybe phantom ocelots that, or yeah, phantom ocelots that Aubrey made would look mm -hmm. insane. Mm -hmm. Um, and then Jay made one more codom. I forgot which one it was. Um, right. And so it's still very early. So anybody that has an ocelot, you, I mean, you can work just about any codom into it to start to look for that, to see what makes a cool combo. But where I'm going instead is I have eight locality females in my garage and I just want to make the absolute craziest, best looking ocelot, like single gene ocelot trying to see what all the different localities like is it going to be turnate is it going to be halmahera jampea kalatoa kaiwadi Salayer? like who knows um but um i have in going back into like polygenic pairing you know the original ocelot was very deep in red and orange um but our lines of ocelot that we have here in the u.s we've made them very silver by the type of breedings that we've done like, if I want to try to add color back into Ocelot, I breed it to a Slayer, right? If I want to try to enhance the black in the Ocelot and make it thicker and darker, I take it to a Homohera. Yeah. So, if you so want to make it darker, for sure, you can also increase the blacks with Turnate. Yeah. So, so I guess I'm not I'm not saying this to like um, rant or anything. I'm trying to give you like an inside look into like the mindset needed to try to make next level type of animals. You have to not just like think one plus one equals two and it creates a bunch of combos and people like these combos and they sell. But like, again, so many people are producing retakes. There's so many out there separate yourself 
by really trying to find one or two traits in a morph or locality that you like and just magnify it. Well, and um, it's something that we say time and time again, but we still get messages about it all the time. Just because you have two animals doesn't mean that they need to go together. Yeah. Yeah. How, if, if you're dead set on breeding, really, really think about the direction you want to go. Yeah. Then start building your collection from there. But I mean, just because you have two animals that happen to come your way doesn't mean that they need to yeah. pair. And, and let me throw out an example of what, like, I'm going to just drop some names. And so when you think of um, Shane Costello, what do you, what do you think of? I think of some of the most beautiful, like colorful retics on the market. Yeah. Like when you think of like the best OGS in the country to buy, you go to Shane. Hands down Shane. Right. Yeah. If you want to look for the best ghost in the country to buy, you look at Travis. Um, if you want to go for, you know, some of the best ocelots in the country to go for, you you go to Aubrey. Um, you want some good anthrax stuff? There's only one person I'd go to right now, and that's Jake. Yeah. So, you know, that that's what I'm saying is, you know, you can put a bunch of jeans together and you can make a bunch of combos, right? But you're going to stand in with the rest of the crowd that's doing that. But, you know, if you if you find that one thing you love and you just make it perfect, it's going to be so easy for you to get your name out there, for you to be known. Like, who's going to be the next person to be known for, like, the best, most vibrant Platinums? Who's going to be the next person to be known for um, Superdorf Pides, right? Like, that that's, I guess, where we're going with this episode, is being very focused and very intentional with your pairings and not just it being kind of aimless. Oh, speaking about separating yourself apart, um, let's go ahead and get We'd in. We'd be a remissed. If we didn't mention our sponsors, Lucas. Right. Let's talk about our sponsors real quick. Whether you're just getting into retics or you've been breeding for years, the first place you want to visit is Stewart Design. More and more breeders keep showing up at shows, on Morph Market, and all over socials. Sometimes it may feel impossible to get anyone's attention. Stewart Design helps small businesses like yours do big things through brand clarity helping entrepreneurs to start and scale businesses that are easy to know and love. Their work can help any company or industry, but they've done a ton of work for ours. Stewart Design created the brand for US Arcs, Canova, Reach Out Reptiles, Coiled, and dozens of other well-known reptile breeders. Like many of us, the owner of Stewart Design, Blake, is a keeper and breeder who fell in love with retics. Although Stewart Design does a lot of corporate work, Blake has a passion for working with people in the reptile industry. So, wondering if Stewart Design is right for you? Stewart Design can help if you're just getting started or you're ready to take things to the next level. Maybe you're struggling to stand out and build your presence online or at shows. And maybe you don't want to be like the other guys or get lost in the crowd. You want to make your own way doing what you love. You might just have a big idea and know your business is special, but you need help sharing it with the reptile community. If something here resonates with you, reach out to Blake. Have a conversation with him. 
To learn more or get started, visit sdidentity.com or call them at 855-SD-LOGOS. Clear brand, own markets, steward design helps create them. We also want to thank VivTech Products for being an affiliate sponsor of the Retic Lounge. Stop by VivTech Products for the best UV spectrum lighting on the market that will enhance and improve your snake's overall well-being and health. So visit VivTechProducts.com and use our affiliate code RetickLounge23 today for 15% off. Yeah, so sorry, sponsors. A little late in the video. We got really passionate about this. But I wanted to just talk about um, where we left off in the sense of, um, you know, having a purpose, having drive. And um, I, I don't know. So let's let's talk about another another type of way that you can enhance it. We talked a little about it before as I was going on my rant of Ocelot and what I'm using it for, but using locality to enhance certain morphs or traits. So like, well, this is kind of the rant that I was expecting this episode. And what I kind of asked for pre episode is I want you to kind of go over since you're such a locality nerd and you have so much to work with in that garage of yours. What are you using these localities for polygenically? Okay. Yeah. So, um, I have Solaires in my garage, right? Both of my Solaires have crazy vibrant yellow heads, right? So I, I want to try to use that, breed them into Superdorfs to decrease size, right? Because, you know, we don't, we don't want 14, 15 foot snakes. Um, some of us do, but, but you know, that's, that's not my goal. Um, but, um, so taking that into different morphs and trying to selectively breed for yellow headed snakes without having to get a, a, a Bali, that's a mainland size. That's even bigger and more heavy body than a Slayer. Um, so my Slayers, I'm going to be using their thick blacks and their yellow heads to try to pinpoint and, and do that. Um, one morph that, um, you know, I have a female, uh, 50%, Philippine 25% Kalatoa marble in my garage that she has an insanely yellow head that I think would just go amazing with the Solaire increasing that yellow head and then taking it to a Kalatoa shrinking down that size. Um, what else? Um, I have Halmaharas. Halmaharas are extremely dark, dark animals. Um, it would be ridiculous if with my Halmaharas, I didn't take a very high percentage golden child motley or high percentage superdorf golden child motley to take to this Halmahara and, and just see if I can create an even darker and blacker motley golden child. Um, another amazing thing that I love about the Halmaharas that I'm going to selectively breed for in terms of morse, um, Halmaharas are like black snakes. Imagine what an Anri Halmahara would look like. Right. So trying to get 50, 75% GC Motley home. Right. So, um, then I have, um, you know, Kalatoa, I'm using my Kalatoas to shrink down for size. Um, my Kaiwadi, she is super vibrant and yellow with the high number of rosettes. Um, so I'm going to be trying to plan some morph combos with her and trying to increase the rosette count for some animals, because I really like the white dots on the side. I think they look really clean and, um, Nice. Um, turnate, turnate marbles, turnate phantoms. Um, anything just turnate everything. Turn. I mean, turnate really everything, but, um, 
Yeah. Um, I have a Tom Belong and Phantom that I still believe to this day that Phantom pairing with the Tom Belong and that Garrett did are the most orange and red Phantoms out there produced, right? So how do I increase that orange and red and make it even better? You take it to a Solaire, right? So just examples of just like what locality can do um, to to really just enhance things. Oh, I have an Anery Jampea. Um, Anery Jamps and Jamp combos, we all know what a little bit of Jamp sauce does to things. It just makes things more vibrant. Um, more the, the Anery Jamps that I've seen look a lot more green than the Kalatoa Jamps that are out there. Um, and so, you know, if I get a Sunfire and now I have an Anery Jamp, now I can make really green Anery Sunfires that just look insane. Toxic. Right? <laughs> yeah, right. I could only imagine. I mean, the little bit of Jamp influence that I had in some of mine, they were pretty green, but I could only imagine with a little bit more Jampea influence. You want to know it's actually very surprising, which I wouldn't have guessed, um, but Chris McVicker has probably the best Annery Sunfire marbles that are out there that are literally green retics. Mm-hmm. Like you're not going to ever get closer to a green retic like than that mossy green. Yeah, and it was it was Slayer influence. They're fifty percent Slayers, um, and so yeah, I mean, so I'm gonna give my pitch for myself. In my business, because I'm a locality guy, but like, yeah, if you want to make the best looking morphs, you got to invest in the appropriate localities to enhance what that morph is. Um, Oh, forgot to mention my Philippines. Super gold, super silver, very thick blacks, um, you know, would do great with phantoms, you know, to shrink down the size of the Philippine, you take it to a Kalatoa, which gets rid of some of the brownness and lack of color that the Superdors have. So you enhance the vibrant colors of the animal while shrinking down size. So again, so much that you can do with locality. You're on mute. <laughs> yes. Fuck. Fuck. Yes. I was literally like, am I going to have to cut this like awkward silence? Well, good, like, Well, good thing we're 35 minutes in. I can cuss a little bit. <laughs> right he is yep first first one of 2023 you guys that, are welcome yeah that was the first one man and we're we're already late into february yep i, I almost made it to my birthday lucas i was one right, week I'm pr- away Damn, i'm proud of you <laughs> all right so so for 2023 we have nathan one lucas three and we are keeping count and lucas i guess is drinking every time it happens with with me Anything else you want to add, Lucas? I'm I'm struggling to. I think we hit like a lot of good content on polygenic traits, uh, size included. Uh, no pun intended. <laughs> um, I'm just looking through the notes here, seeing if we missed anything, and I think we got it all, all set up. Um, yeah, I, I really think that. Um, if you guys have specific questions, like if you're, if you're wondering like what would be good to pair with what or do like message us, we're, we're happy to give you our input. Um, there's going to be people that disagree with us and people that, you know, see eye to eye with us. But the, the beautiful thing about, I guess I'll end on this note. The beautiful thing about being a breeder is, um, it's, it's like an experiment, 
right? Like I literally call my, my garage the lab and not just because of lab exotics, but because I'm in there creating, right? You get to actually, like, if you have a purpose, it makes everything so much more fun than just combining animals. Um, and, and it's cool to be able to say like, I'm putting snake A and snake B together because I think this is the way that it's going to turn out. And this is what I'm hoping for. And then if it pans out, you feel really good. And if it doesn't back to the drawing board, but to me, that's more fulfilling and worthwhile than trying to chase worlds first. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. I mean, the animals I'm chasing this year, they've they've been produced in some capacity, um, maybe not to the same percentages and size, but you know, I, I want to see how they stack up compared to these other animals. So right. I, I think it's a lot of fun, and especially if you've had a goal in mind and you're you're close to reaching it. So yeah, stay, stay just vigilant in making plans, really like write stuff down, really think about what you're doing if you're getting into breeding and just, yeah, breed with a purpose, have, have fun if you're going to do that. But yeah, just breed with the market and some, some advancement in mind, I'd say. Yeah. Try to, with every pairing that you do, try to make the retic. Um, try to provide value back into the industry, mm -hmm. right? And that, that ideally, and not, not value in terms of like what you're going to make off of the clutch, but like every, every pairing that you try to do, um, bring value back into the animal and the, the, the blood that is out there, you know, make it so that people want that animal to, to do their own things with. And, um, because we have enough people already just putting snakes together. Um, but we can probably rant more and more about this. So again, I just want to remind you guys, um, subscribe to our YouTube, click like and rate those videos on Spotify and Apple podcasts. Um, join our Patreon, And, and again, we can't thank you enough for the support so far.